We haven't heard Mr. Poole's first name. Uh, we, oh, we it have. was uh, Eugene, it was mentioned yeah, in another it's, episode. It's Eugene. Mm. Okay. Eugene Poole. Yeah. But what Nancy's been doing is been saying Gene. Gene Poole! Oh! Excellent, and he's a biology teacher. <laughs> wow, oh, boys, it's taken us twenty-one episodes <laughs> to get a joke. <laughs> so you know when we're like, "Oh, that joke is really lame and obvious." We officially can't talk because we missed a science teacher called Gene Poole. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three marvellous and melodramatic men review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. My name is Phil Dean, I'm your host and your guide through this magical adventure. To my right is Mr Christopher Evans. How are you, Chris? I'm alright, Phil. How are you? I'm very good, thank oh, you. Oh, good. Now, well, we sound a bit jumpy and a bit sort of happy already because this episode was awesome. I, I believe the terminology I will use is balmy. Absolutely balmy. Yeah, it's exactly it's what it balmy. is. It's brilliant. But has it lifted your spirits for the rest of the day? You think you were... Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to attack for the day. It's going to be wonderful. Excellent. Well, I certainly am with the, the feelings I've got from this one. What about you, Graham? Is he's the man to my left, Mr. Graham Riley? Um, I'm very good, yeah. Chris said the episode was balmy. I agree. I would also call it zany. Yes. Everything you can... Bonkers, balmy, zany... Nuts is is what the episode is, but intentionally so. Exactly, yeah. It's not. I don't think we're going to have much discussions on this episode. It's just going to be a fond recollection of the episode <laughs> we've just watched because yeah. it's absolutely bonkers. It is called as Westbridge turns. Sabrina, bored by her life, decides to use a spell to make it as exciting as a soap opera. And is it? Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. Oh me. Oh my. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, well, first of all, I in the last episode I didn't really know much in terms of uh, clues as to what the title brings, but what, what's it from? Um, I'm no expert on it, but As the World Turns was a daytime soap opera full of ludicrous sort of contrived plots and things yeah. um, from, from around that time, so that's, that's where it comes from. Yeah, and that's exactly what this episode is full of. We've got uh, probably the best cameo performances by characters, really, uh, the music, I think, in this episode is fantastic, and it's just, yeah, it's mental. It's very much one of those episodes, those special episodes that the shows have where they completely divert from their usual format and their usual sort of tone into something that's very much a special episode, like, you know, certain TV shows, Buffy being one of them, you know, doing musical yeah. episodes, mm. things like that. It's very much the whole way in which things work is completely devoted to sending up a particular genre. Yeah, because yeah. Th- this is this is not really like a Sabrina episode. We're not laughing at things. I mean, of course, there's the the there's the act of magic which causes the uh, Westbridge to turn into a soap opera. But other than that, we're not laughing at anything that is strictly exclusive to Sabrina, are we? No. We're just laughing at a really well-written... Parody. Parody, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a very, very different episode, but very enjoyable all the same. So, boys, are we ready to jump on this absolutely insane ride through 1990s American soap operas? Hell to the year. Absolutely. Hold on to your potatoes, boys. We're going in. Exactly. As the world turns. 
So the episode opens with Sabrina trying to convince Salem to do something with his fur, like dyeing it blonde to match the rest of the family. Caving in, eventually Salem agrees for Sabrina to do something, so she sticks him in this weird machine that, um, well, subsequently shaves all of his hair off. Sabrina panics and runs away to find her aunts and a kitty sweater. It's a henna. She's giving you like a henna rinse or something yeah. like that. Mm. Henna can be can be dangerous stuff. It can burn you. It can do nasty things. Um, I was kind of surprised at how easily Salem agreed to it. And boy, did he pay for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just a straight up ugly ass cat. That it is. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you are the owner of a... You say naked cats? I have no idea what they're actually called. Naked, yeah, naked cats. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Very, very little to no hair, sort of weird, sort of like reptilian uh, creatures. It, it genuinely looks like a scrotum. Yeah, yeah. They, are, they, they really do. <laughs> it really does. They are just gross. Yeah. I'm sorry. So uh, yeah, so Salem turns into that, but no, not for long because you know he is back to normal later on. But so the titles roll, and Sabrina is dressed as a I put a fruit dancer lady. I don't really know what. Yeah, yeah. like a tropical dancer. <clears throat> She's got fruit on her hat. Yeah. She says it's my hat and my lunch. Yeah, because you can't really call it a dress because it was essentially just like. A bra and just a skirt. Yeah. A quilt. Yeah. A quilt and a fruit ball on her like, head. Like yeah. a shawl over her breasts. Yeah, and, then and that a, was about it. I yeah. mean, it was, again, if we're going to really dive into this, it's it's that whole, is that really appropriate for a 16-year-old girl? Obviously, magician... Melissa, magician Ma- magician Melissa, Joan Hart. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Melissa Joan Hart is uh, in her 20s, but is that appropriate for a 16-year-old? Well, she's eating a five a day, so... She's she's a lot more respectful than other teenagers. That's true. So uh, I'm I'm all aboard. Uh, well, I bet you are. <laughs> she didn't have a hat made of joints, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. She's getting. I'm just saying that uh, she, she should have been slightly more covered up on the upper area yeah, of her body. Quite possibly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Even if that was covered by fruit, I'm just saying. So having actual fabric over her breastal region, mm. if her entire torso was covered but by guavas, that's perfectly okay. That would, and she was naked underneath the guavas. Yeah, and you can maybe see bits of flesh in the sort of like the bits in between the guavas. Well, no, it'd have to be a, 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 a full a full covering guava. Maybe full covering guava. Maybe maybe two layers of guava. Yeah, two layers of guava. I'd accept two layers of guava. Yeah, yeah we wanted two layers of guava. Um, that, that, that was what was wrong with this, uh, this gag. Okay, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> went to some sort of guava fence. Over, uh, yeah, excellent. <laughs> so after that fruity number, we're at school and we must be in March now because, boys, there's glorious sunshine outside. There is, yeah. It's not snowing anymore. It snowed up until the last episode, but no, we've hit the first of March and that's it. Glorious. Take it from someone who's been to Boston in April, though. It'll still be fucking cold. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, Jenny approaches Sabrina... Bored and uninterested in the world, it seems, because nothing is ever new. Sabrina tries to be optimistic as it's science class and maybe something will blow up. But the only thing blowing up is Mr. Pool's chances of being a comedian because he tells a gag that goes down like a lead balloon. Ah, oh, Mr. Pool. Yeah. New he there. taps his thing and goes, Hello, is this thing on? And he just cuts to the class of ever. Uh, especially Sabrina's got such like a, a resting bitch face of just, I don't want to be in your presence, <laughs> sir. But what's the joke again? Is it like... Um... He talks about um, they're looking for... They're studying something where you'll find this, you'll find that, and this tropical island where I'll be spending my summer vacation. Oh, yeah, it's a part of whatever 
bit of the anatomy he's describing and the Isle of Vivera, which is where I spend my summer holidays. And nobody laughs because... It's not funny. It's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's not funny. And also, we know he can't afford a summer holiday. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. On his wages. But we laugh because it's Mr. Poole and he's, uh, you know, he's really tragic. But uh, So we quickly cut from Mr. Poole's class and we're in the cafeteria. And the girls are still bored, depressed, staring into their fish sticks. Or oh, uh, Sabrina makes fish henge, doesn't she? She does. That, uh, that's a quality of joke that belongs in the opening. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe she should have been wearing... Two layers of guava and fish henge on her head. <laughs> that would have been good, yeah. I'd say that. She said, look, fish henge. <laughs> and the then ca- you'd be like, are they guavas? And then it just got away from it. Um, that is the kind of joke, look, fish henge. That's the kind of joke we've come to expect in these fucking titles, isn't it? Oh, bugger me. Uh, Harvey arrives, hopefully with some exciting news, and he does. Well, to him, anyways, he's just had his car checked over and now it doesn't veer off to the side. That is quite a satisfying thing when you get oh, your yeah. wheels balanced, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, when you get your wheels balanced. I, I, uh, I had my wheels balanced uh, just the other day and I have to tell you, my car no longer veers to the left either. Great. It is, yeah. uh, it's, it's safe. So it's not like you're driving through on like GTA onto the pavements and no, no, no. trees uh, and stuff. That, so. That's not happening anymore. That's no. not happening anymore. No. I'm not killing small toddlers and prostitutes. Libby and friend come to the table with some actual exciting news. That they are now modelling for new fashion lines. Uh, they're Drake girls, I think. They, of course, aren't just gloating to the school. They're pining for Harvey because they need male escorts who are, for the event. Come on, Harvey, Libby says. You get to wear a tux. And some super shiny shoes. And that woke me up because I thought, are we going to get to see Harvey in a tux in this episode? And we are. We, we saw are. him with his sort of brill creamed hair and his uh, his dad's jacket. Yeah, he was dressed smartly. Alfred Hitchcock's blazer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, this one is a lot more tailored. It's tailored yeah. to him, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, he, Harvey says he'd rather lose his mind before he do something like that. Um, so, which Libby says, okay, well... Let us know if you do. I, I, I once thought about becoming a male escort. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good money. It is good money. And as, in escorting, obviously, that's the, the non-sexy time kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Just, going with the, just going with the old ladies and laughing at their jokes for a bit. That, yeah. That escorting. Mm. Yeah. I, 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 reckon, I reckon that, you know, that has sort of a seedy reputation, which it shouldn't have. Well, um, the reason why it has the seedy reputation is because escorts, yeah, it's not the sexy time, but that is usually an added bonus sort of thing. It's, yeah. It's, it's sort it's an of, add-on. Ex, it's expected. Mm. Doesn't always happen, but it's expected. But say someone's... It's good money, though. Yeah, but say someone's a bit of a skinflint, doesn't want to pay extra, you'd just be making the only person very happy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very similar to what Beverly Callard talks about in um, Two Pints of Love. Oh, conversa- a Chris. conversational prostitute. Yeah, yeah. she's using her service as a conversational <clears throat> prostitute. Yeah. They pay her just to come and have a chat. Yeah. That's nice, isn't it? Yeah, Harvey would make a conversational prostitute. I think so. Uh, we're back at the Spellman's, and Sabrina is telling Zelda about her day. Boredom, she says, followed by dullness with a dash of... Eh. Zelda tells her that she has to make her own excitement. For example, she's writing a paper on inertia and just can't stop. Uh, and inertia is a tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, nice little intellectual gag there. They like those, don't they? Yeah, very much so. Salem, on the other hand, is having a whale of a time following pieces of lint around the room. Serena, unimpressed by attempting this, goes to find Hilda, who is watching her favourite soap opera, The Burden of Desire. Of course, lint, we now know, could be... From the gremlin. Of course. Oh, yeah. Maybe, he's still, maybe he's still hanging around, yeah. yeah. 
Now, now that is one piece of rent I would like to watch because he's hilarious. <laughs> very camp. So, uh, very much so. <clears throat> Sabrina wishes that her life was as exciting as the burning of desire. Hilda says it can be. Of course, with a spell. She magics in a literal can of worms, which you boys enjoyed, uh, where once opened, emotions will be heightened, she says. Be careful, Hilda warns. Remember, you have to take the good with the bad. Not listening, as per usual, she opens the can of worms and welcomes the potential excitement. So we've got an actual can of worms opening. A genuine can of worms. Yeah. I, I, it, was, it was a nice touch. We've just know. dropped the acid now. <laughs> things, are about, things are about to get crazy. <laughs> so, I mean, it doesn't... For the first sort of few seconds, it doesn't seem any different to a normal day. We're just back like at, acid. <laughs> <laughs> we're back at school and Jenny still has nothing fascinating to say. Until suddenly, paramedics with a stretcher race through the school corridor because it turns out that old Pops the janitor has collapsed. Finally, we have excitement, Sabrina says. Wow. Fucking hell, he could be dead. <laughs> I mean, you know, we were saying, oh, this is also lighthearted and everything. But still, you know, Sabrina is still Sabrina. And she is reacting to the potential death of this old man. <laughs> like, yeah! <laughs> Finally, <laughs> some excitement. Oh, wow, this doesn't happen every day. Whoa, what will he pull through? That's literally... That's her walking down the street, witnessing a car crash, and not going over to help, but going over to go, fucking hell, that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she is a rubbernecker, definitely. <laughs> yeah, blimey. I mean, and as well, well, we'll get to that scene later, but Pops does die, even if it's just for a couple yeah, of seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she's thrilled that excitement is happening in school, even if it is the uh, potential uh, death yeah. of somebody. This isn't an alternate universe, folks. This stuff is actually happening. Yeah. A spell has caused it, and the wearing off of a spell will bring it to an end. But it is actually happening. So, yeah, anything that's happening now could have drastic, awful ramifications. repercussions. Yeah, yeah ramifications yeah. in the in the world of uh, Sabrina. Blimey. Uh, but to liven up the mood, enraces Harvey, who pulls Sabrina aside to talk in private. What's wrong? Sabrina asks. Nothing's wrong. Everything is right. So right. Meet me by the reflecting pool at 12.36. I'll explain everything. He strokes her cheek and dashes off like a hammy soap opera hunk, with music to uh, illustrate that point. Uh, Libby, who is eavesdropping, vows it will all go wrong. So already we've got a glimpse of this soap opera. Ooh, tension. And and not only that, but Nate Richards, he just, he loved, you could tell, he loved (laughs) being this melodramatic Harvey. And it's just, it's all full of like swoons and... Goshes and yeah, <gasps> it's just it's just brilliant. It's just those moments of we'll meet at the reflective pool. And the reflective pool is exactly what you'd expect. It's just this reflective pool that's been put in just yeah, for this yeah, episode, erected in front of the school. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. That's another thing that makes this episode great that Chris just touched upon. Everybody is having a great Everybody time. Yeah. Is having a ball. Yeah. Particularly Mr. Paul Feig, who <laughs> gets to spend the entire episode with a former Playboy model yes, in does. a really low-cut, tight nurse's outfit. <laughs> yeah, Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that anyway. We, we're in Mr. Pool's class as he's introducing the next topic. Oh. Yeah. oh. I, he says, I know we've been dancing around it all year, so let's get to it. Today, we're going to study reproduction and two 30 year old students who probably have kids anyway high five in ecstasy <laughs> like it's insane it's just everyone's woo Nate Richard is he's 
Oh God, he, I don't know, he's clenching both fists, like, yeah. yeah. Libby mean, behind him is cheering, Sabrina's like, yeah. And then just these two men just yeah. high five, like, fucking yes. Because they already know all the answers, because they <laughs> already had multiple children. I, I, I believe the American way of saying this is they were all whooping and a hollering. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> For some sex ed. But then, the mood seems to oh. suddenly change. Uh, we cut to the end of class, and whilst Harvey looks a little terrified about the answers that are coming, some other students are absolutely loving it, looking a little hot and bothered. Notably, one of the 30-year-old men is leaning forward, stroking his face. <laughs> like, really, like, he's in it. Uh, what one surprised me, actually, was Jenny is quite, like, flustered, isn't she? She's, like, oh, she's yeah. really... She, Jenny was like, oh... She oh, comes Mr. Ac- Paul, take me now. <laughs> she comes across as a bit of a prude, but in this one we're like, wow, you, yeah. you are a little little closet mix, aren't you? Yeah, and it's that saxophone in the Oh my background. god, I forgot about that, the porno sax! Yeah. <laughs> just like, sold the entire scene. We've, um, we, we addressed it just quickly at the start about the music being excellent in this episode, and it is, like, it's probably soap opera music, but they put inappropriate music that works so well like talking about sex ed but having this porno sax <laughs> in the background it's fantastic isn't it it's tremendous i'm i'm quite pleased that harvey was mortified to learn about sex because it, it keeps it preserves our image of him as this perfectly innocent as this, as this romantic he's not he's not a yeah. saucy sordid type he's yeah he's this uh as a romantic young lad isn't yeah he, he, so, he, he you know sex is just a way of showing somebody that you love them in harvey's world yeah which is, uh, which is very sweet yeah. and it's something you should only do when you're married or in a yeah. in a step and go when they go steady you know jenny on the other hand <laughs> jenny on the other hand wow wow but I've the, seen um, a whole new side to Michel, Michel Boudoir. Yeah. It is just... It's the way that Paul Feig finishes off the scene as well. And it's just... Yeah, and that is how it's done. And yeah. It's just that. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure he throws a piece of chalk up, catches it in the other hand and goes... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because like, this whole class, this whole sex ed class has been... Um, they've been... It's it's seemingly been very very scientific, like it's just mm. loads of diagrams of stuff. It's not like he's drawn a pussy on the board or something, but everyone is really sort of. Uh, I think they did that. They did that when they taught us sex ed. I'm fairly sure they definitely. They'd... Oh yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah we yeah, had yeah. it in books. Yeah, he's literally just written the names of things with arrows. The scientific equation of how you make a baby, and that's getting students hot and bothered, yeah. isn't it? Oh, what? What a romantic! I'm hot under the collar and crack open a window, boys. They, they, they want to come to one of our sex ed classes. <laughs> we really got down to it. Were you turned on by sex ed in school? No, no. no. Were you horrified by sex ed in school? I, I was horrible, horrified at that moment where it's like, and this is a condom, and just put it on the banana, and I was like, yeah, what the fuck it. is happening here? We didn't do the condom on the banana. Well, it wasn't even right. It wasn't a banana. I say condom on the banana because it that it. That makes more sense, but they genuinely had a um, a plastic cock. A plastic cock. Yeah, it was. I a, think the girls big, had that. A big, really exaggerated plastic cock. Yeah, it was a plastic cock, and it was put the condom on the plastic cock. But it was like the it was the school nurse or something doing it, and it's like, Ugh. Like, like if our school nurses were like Nurse Nancy, they'd be fine. But but yeah, I think I don't think we even got the plastic cock. Did you not get the plastic? No, cock? I, think, I think the girls got the plastic cock, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we did. Um, we would have felt it. Yeah, we would have felt it. Um, yeah, I, 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 li- I literally remember just like th- th- this is a condom. This is what you'd put on your willy. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> then that, that was it. Um, yeah, we had like the, the the videos of like you know the 
what, what you should do. I think my mum bought me a video. <laughs> <laughs> For 16 years, by the way, and some absolutely incredible things are coming out recording this podcast. Um, right. Okay, so, so wait, thank you for this moment, Michelle. Thank you. Okay, <laughs> who presented it? It was well, what it was. Oh, did they wrap it? No, what it was was. Just because um, GMTV did a feature on it, because it was it was their resident Dr. Dr. Hillary, what's his name, Dr. Hillary, isn't it? Yeah, I know. The TV doctor, obviously. Um, Just because he was talking about this new sex ed video he's done, just because they they talked about it, well, a good critical acclaim. Don't know how it did on Rotten Tomatoes, but then my mum just ordered it and told me that I should watch it. And kept checking up, going, "Have you watched it yet?" And I mean, I'm like, I was like ten. I was like, it's it's just because it was. She wasn't saying to me, like, make sure you watch it so you know what you're doing. It's more just of a, I've, heard, I've, I've spent my money on it. Can you use it? Like, it was really weird. And did you use it? <laughs> and did, it is, uh... Did you watch it? Yes, yeah, I did watch it, yeah. It was, what, was it education? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was very... It was like I what mean, I imagine Mr. Poole's class with. It's very scientific because it was taught by a doctor. It wasn't just taught by... Did, did, did it help you when it came down to it? Well, I mean... When when I did do it for the first time, I did have to knit back home, put it back on, yeah, fast so forward it to the bit I needed, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, made sure mm-hmm. I was doing right. Well, you, you had it on in the background, didn't you? So, yeah. yeah. Phil? Yes, mate? Do you still have this VHS? To be perfectly honest, I wouldn't be surprised if we do still have it. <laughs> we kind of, we, we kind need, of need, to, need to see it. We need to see this. All the while imagining 10-year-old Phil watching it. Uh, so the bell goes... <laughs> well, hey. Uh, class... <laughs> class is dismissed, and then... Until 12.36, my darling. Harvey lovingly says to Sabrina, music kicks in, strokes her face, and we're getting this really sort of hammy soap opera side, which is really, really funny. Uh, We cut to Mr. Poole, who is passionately getting in with the incredibly sexy school nurse, Nancy. Again, like a soap opera, just as it gets steamy, in storms Sabrina, ready for her flu shot. And he's probably just, oh, Jean, you know, like, oh, we need to be together. And he's like, oh, we will sue my love. And it's really like, now, I'm, I'm, we haven't heard Mr. Poole's first name. Uh, we, oh, we it have. was uh, Eugene, it was mentioned yeah, in another it's, episode. It's Eugene. Mm. Okay. It's Eugene Poole. Yeah. But what Nancy's been doing is been saying, Jean. Jean Poole. Oh! Excellent, and he's a biology teacher. Wow, oh, boys, it's taken us 21 episodes <laughs> to get a joke. So, you know, when we're like, oh, that joke is really lame and obvious, we officially can't talk because we missed a science teacher called Gene Poole. <laughs> That's as bad Wait, as no, 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 we didn't miss it because he, he, he may have been referred as Eugene but never as Gene no, until this We've episode. only ever called him Mr. Poole or when they mentioned his name was Eugene, I called him Eugene. Obviously, you can't see it, but when I started that, Phil's face just changed from <laughs> where the fuck's he going with this to <laughs> oh, oh my god! Yeah, oh, it was Eugene brilliant. Poole. Fantastic. Well, well done, Nell Scoville, well done. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so yeah, so while he's uh, sort of clinging to Nurse Nancy, um, speaking of which, who is Nurse Nancy? Nurse Nancy is exactly who you'd expect her to be. Needless to say, oh well, obviously, if you've not seen the episode, she is the uh, quintessential sort of 90s babe. 
you know, she's sort of got very sort of, very voluminous, very sort of, you know, big uh, blonde hair and big other things. Uh, and, personality. Yeah, personality and lips um, on her face. And um, she is a former Playboy model. Yes. Um, she's the ex-wife of Nikki Six from Motley Crue, again. Yes, very raunchy. Not surprised. Yeah. And she's best known for her role as Donna Marco in in a little show called Baywatch. You might not have heard of it, but it was actually the original um, version of the... It was the prequel, wasn't it? The prequel it? to the, the, the classic uh, series, uh, Baywatch Nights. Yeah, of so, course. Uh, We've all heard of Baywatch Nights. Remind us again, that, what happened in Baywatch Nights? Um, well, basically, uh, obviously, um, David Hasselhoff, um, he uh, decided he, he'd had enough of, of lifeguarding and he decided to become a detective. And uh, with the help of uh, Eddie Cibrian, he uh, solved a lot of crimes later on of a sci-fi nature. Yeah. And we've said it before, and we'll say it again. We're going to review Baywatch Nights in the future. We've referred to it in nearly every episode <laughs> since we first discovered it existed. So we've almost got to Yeah, And we've got two stars in it. Eddie Sibs. Um, yeah, now um, we've got uh, Donna De Erico. Yep. Wow. So there we go. So that is uh, Nurse Nancy. Oh, yeah. by if Donna you De Erico. If you couldn't tell... Uh, Nurse Nancy is fit. She really, really. Yeah, she's 90s fit. In the, in the, yeah, yeah, 90s in the most fit. 90s way, she's like Heather Locklear or, or somebody. Pamela Anderson. Pamela Anderson, yeah. of course, yeah. Um, so, very much of, uh, of the time, anyway. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Sabrina storms in because she's ready for a flu shot, leaving Mr. Poole to go, uh, oh, I must be going now. Thanks for. Uh, Squeezing me in. <laughs> <Ew. Giggity. laughs> uh, Sabrina asks the nurse if her and Mr. Poole are dating. She says no, and then threatens Sabrina if she dares to tell anyone. <laughs> With a needle. With a needle and the music changing, like, mm, if you dare say that we're Mr. Poole and I are dating, oh, oh, the things I'll do to you. And it's, uh, yeah, again, very, very soap opera. Very, very good. Uh, Sabrina arrives at that romantic reflecting pool where we find Harvey reflecting. Until he notices the plaster on her arm and desires to seek revenge. <laughs> Who did this to you? Who did this to you? He says, oh, it's just a flu jab. Oh, all right. <laughs> it was just... That's a... my favourite line in, in the episode uh, of just... Who did this to you? Who did this to you? It was like... It was in that moment that I would fully believe that Harvey would have gone on a murdering rampage if someone had actually harmed Sabrina. Yeah. yeah. I was like, damn! We've seen him cut in line to uh, angrily communicate with... A tall manager, seen the violent femmes and stuff, yeah. so, you know, he's definitely a feisty one, is our Harvey. Um, anyway, he doesn't uh, seek revenge. He sits with Sabrina to tell her what couldn't wait until 12.37. He says that he wants to go steady. Hey, boys! They are officially, as of now, going steady, which is old-fashioned teenage romance talk for we are definitely props together and... You know, when, when when we're grown up, we you know we will then look into doing the serious stuff like getting married and things. Yeah, it's but, it's yeah. There be, there's, there's courting, there's going steady, and then there's marriage. That's how yeah. it used to work. Yeah, it's, it was an exciting time, but it took a spell yeah. of opening a can of worms that would heighten everyone's emotions. To get to this point. To get to get a definitive to get a definitive, black and white answer. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for that, fuck off. Chris, we're in the mood. Um, so he says he wants to go steady and he's bought her a gift to commemorate the occasion. It's a beautiful bracelet with the inscription, Harvey Diggs Sabrina. And on the back, 1236. 
which was the exact time when the two of them spoke for the very first time. Aww. Very sweet, but also very, very soap opera, because, (laughs) like, it's contrived as fuck, how would he know the exact time when he first spoke for him? But yeah, very, very sweet. Uh, we cut back to Mr. Pill's glass, where Libby is raiding Mr. Pill's drawers. Hey! Uh, she, she wants to find something of Mr. Pill's that she can plant on Sabrina to bring her down. She just finds some stool softener, but that won't cut it. Hey! Little uh, poo joke. Well, what's, what's her reaction to uh, the stool softener? Just, ew, ew, ew. 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 Uh, after some rooting, she finds a diamond ring. Ooh. Who could this be for, boys? We've never known him uh, to be in love with someone up until now. So Libby finds this diamond ring and she's about to uh, sort of steal away with it. She does. She throws the box away because Mr. Poole is about to storm into the class. So Libby and friend run away. Mr. Poole enters the room whistling the uh, the, the wedding song. The wedding yeah, march, He puts it in his pocket and has to make a run for it as wasps have gotten into his classroom. He escapes just about alive and goes about looking for the new school janitor, but finds him immediately, a mysterious, rugged man with an eye patch. A mulleted man with an eye patch. And almost all of his buttons undone. Yes, and copious chest hair. That is just the epitome of a 90s hunk. Yeah, 90s mysterious... Uh, Punk yeah. that you shouldn't be with. Yeah, not, yeah. not the straight-up Nate Richard, good old American boy, 90s. No. The, this is the bad, the bad boy. The boy from the wrong side of the train. Yeah. The boy, your mother warned you that. So, uh, he's the thorn amongst the roses. Yeah. They call me Stone Burden. I came to Westbridge looking for a second chance. Mr. Poole tells him that he's worried there's a wasp's nest in his classroom. A wasp nest, you say? That could be deadly. And he also says this walking up to the camera, talking off camera, but in a very soap opera way that is yeah abnormal and unheard of in anything else. Yeah, yeah, he's just yeah just a just classic soap opera anti-hero, <laughs> and he is painfully funny. Yeah, like, very funny. <laughs> there's a lot of funny people in this episode, a lot of funny like extra characters, and uh, this gentleman is the best. His name is a. Uh, John, either Loprino or Loprieno, uh, we're not sure. Um, he's not been in too much, although he has had numerous um, recurring roles in American soaps, including One Life to Live, which again was very similar to As the World Turns, just another very sort of melodramatic um, 90s uh, daytime soap. Um, obviously, he's given the name Stone Burton, which is an assen- uh, intentionally sort of ridiculous like soap opera name. In One Life to Live, Phil. What was the name of the character he played? Cord. <laughs> Chris, have you ever met anybody named Cord? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> um, but like, it's not even like, or oh, maybe that's not even pronounced. No, it's C-O-R-D. Short for Corduroy. Corduroy. Cordial? Cordon? The only thing that Cord could be short for is Cordelia. But... He's a man. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so it can't be. <laughs> Fucking hell. So he's not done much, but he was called Court, so that's why we had to uh, talk about him. But that's Stone Burton anyway, this mysterious, rugged, uh, bad boy turned janitor. Uh, we'll see a lot more of him in the episode, which is great. Uh, back in the cafeteria, and Harvey and Sabrina eating Sloppy Joes by candlelight, 
Ah, how romantic. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Libby sits next to them, distracts them with some nonsense, and pops the diamond ring into Sabrina's bag. However, as she leaves, she gets stung by a wasp, goes into anaphylactic shock, and falls passionately into Harvey's arms. Yes. She kind of, she shuffles to the side, doesn't she, and goes, ah, swoons, and he catches her perfectly. But, my goodness me, when he's carrying her, her... Upper back and neck and thus head are just completely just... Com- there's, now, there's, it's like he's carrying a trout. Like, or, a, or a dead body where it doesn't <laughs> yeah, matter yeah. if um, she's now, flopping all over the place. Right, okay. As someone who has carried... Who's carried a dead body? His car kept veering to the left. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. yeah. As, <laughs> you know, as someone who has uh, carried many people... Uh, one of whom, including the two of us in this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, one of whom was uh, meant to be a dead body on on stage I, I was during rehearsals. I can tell you now, if someone is playing dead or pretending to be unconscious, they are a lot heavier because it's just dead yeah. weight. Mm. Okay, so it's at this point I want to applaud Nate Richards for being able to do that with. Out issue. He didn't look like he was strained. He didn't look like he was like really out of his way. But well done, because carrying someone whose back is essentially pointing towards the floor yeah. and everything's kid upside down. Well played, my good man. Harvey arrives at the nurse's office just in time for her to be saved, and the nurse throws everything off a table and injects Libby with the antidote. She, she just goes. Throws everything off this tiny desk opposed to a bed. Um, So Libby awakes with the antidote. He helps her to a bed and goes back to lunch. Harvey, don't go. Stay with me, Libby cries. No, I must follow my heart and return to Sabrina. I don't know what you see in her, Libby says. Up to close to the camera, I don't know what you don't see, Harvey says. And walks away. It is just so over the top. It's so so it's just brilliant. Yeah, just just it's wonderful. This script is fantastic. Um, uh, script, by the way, Nick Bakai, uh, Salem himself, uh, responsible for this script. Brilliant, brilliant work. Yeah. Yet again, he probably is the best. I mean, we don't always make the most note of who wrote each episode, but he probably is sort of the best writer of, um, oh, of, no, of doubt, the team. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Nell Scoville herself writes a lot of episodes, which are usually good, although not the last one. Um, and uh, Frank Conniff as well, uh, Rudy Kazuti, um, yeah. chips in with his fair few. But um, yeah, I think uh, Nick Bakai, probably the most creative writer of, of the group, and this is easily the most creative episode. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. <clears throat> um, clearly, he's watched a lot of daytime. Yeah, so, definitely. So, you know, in this, it's <clears throat> a, a fantastic parody. Um Anyway, just before uh, we leave the scene with Libby, a heart rate monitor flatlines and it pops the janitor. And in annoyance with the noise it's making, Libby hits him with a pillow, restarting his heart. <laughs> so she's just, oh my god, this dead guy is so annoying. Like it's so yeah. So going back to what we said at the start, Sabina was ecstatic about the excitement that the day has brought, but he died for a little bit. What happened to Pops? We know he collapsed, obviously. Did he have a stroke? If he had a stroke, that may cause him problems for the rest of his life. He may be unable to walk. He certainly wouldn't be able, might not be able to janit anymore because he is a janitor. Um, so she could have cost this man his livelihood just to inject a bit of excitement into her life. Yeah. Not only that, but my question is, okay, we saw the paramedics. We know he collapsed. 
Why the fuck was he taken to the nurses station? Oh, Why was he not taken we, to the hospital? We've not we've not commented on this actually. Yeah, the nurses office is huge and it's like a little hospital, yeah. isn't it? It's got heart rate monitors, yeah. drips, beds. It's just, yeah, just so it's like any hospital scene in a sofa room. Yeah. 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 But it's at the nurses office. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> After taking Libby to the nurses office, Harvey is walking through the corridor where he meets our new janitor Stone Burton with a ladder trying to reach those evil wasps. Whilst taking a sip from the water fountain, Stone cries, Rogue Ladder! And in a melodramatic slow motion caper, it seems to fall on top of Harvey. Good lord, Stone says. Looks like I have to move again. <laughs> what happened in his last job? Did he murder someone? He says move again. So it suggests to me that yeah, maybe a student died due to his work again. Two spin-off series we want to see now. <laughs> yeah. I only know. Salem Origins and the Life and Times of Stone Burton. <laughs> Get them made. Oh, awesome. Stone Burton rushes Harvey to the nurse's office, puts him on the bed, and she runs off for a cold compress. Which is the only thing she knows how to administer, although she claims it is due to restrictions put upon it by the state presumably due to poor funding yeah that's what we find out um so libby rattles him awake and it turns out that harvey has amnesia again just like a stupid soap opera story do you remember in neighbors when susan kennedy slipped over on milk and oh uh, shit she yeah. thought, oh god yeah she thought she was a teenager <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's nothing to really laugh about but <laughs> no no it was done so ridiculously <laughs> yeah yeah I, god i remember that she fell in love with Someone else, didn't she? Yes, somebody, somebody way, way, way too young. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. But uh, Carl, Doctor Carl Kennedy, um, Alan Fletcher himself. He, uh, yeah, he had to sort of win her back by. Uh, and uh, one of the things about her teenage self was that she didn't hate his music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, God, I forgot it was over milk as yeah. well. Yeah, she's dying over spilt milk. So Libby rattles him awake, and it turns out that he has amnesia. So Libby makes the most of this opportunity by telling him that she is his girlfriend. Speaking of which, Sabrina enters the room and Harvey doesn't remember her, let alone that he's her boyfriend. We get our first of many dun-dun-duns. Sabrina learns that Libby's plan all along was to ruin her life. Oh, when it goes dun-dun-dun, screen goes black, presumably it would go to the break on network TV. As soon as it comes back, everyone's in the same position, we get another dun-dun-dun, which is another nice soap opera touch. Um, (laughs) So with that, Sabrina learns that Libby's plan all along was to ruin Sabrina's life and ultimately convince Harvey to then help her with the fashion show. You're going to make him wear a tux? Yeah, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Man. Uh, In the cafeteria where everyone is now drinking tea, Jenny tells Sabrina to meet her at the fashion show. She has a plan to get revenge on Libby. Back in Mr. Poole's class, and he's confessing his love to the school nurse. Of course I can't offer you riches until society decides to reward its teachers, but Nancy, will you marry me? He opens up the ring and, Jean, it's empty! And we get another, dun dun dun. Don't you understand, Mr. Poole cries. I gave up professional haircuts to buy that ring. I can see that, sir, says the uh, massive detective. Uh, Mr. Poole says that he's always in his classroom. However, between 12.30 and 12.40 that day, he decided to leave. And the detective vows to crack the case. He says he won't leave until he 
He's interrogated everyone in the school. And he's, you know, he's the classic sort of gruff sort of, um, you know, TV uh, detective. Um, and he used to crack in cases on the mean streets of Baston. Exactly. And uh, his name is uh, Kenneth, I believe. Detective Kenneth. Played <laughs> by a man named Harold Sylvester, who hadn't done much else. But he was, he was, he was very good in this movie. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, he was very, very good. Uh, we join Sabrina in the cafeteria again, where she's having a cheesy inner monologue about Harvey. Yeah. Did I see? Uh, when suddenly she's disturbed by the tough-talking police detective who requests to search her bag, finding the ring in the process. <gasps> he drags her out of the classroom, ready to take her downtown. She spots Libby in the corridor and demands that he arrests her instead because she set him up. But in her fit of rage, her bracelet flies off and gets wedged in the air vents. Yes. (gasps) She's going to need that, boys, isn't she? Anyway, at the station, Sabrina is being interrogated. Where were you between 12.30 and 12.40 today? With Harvey. Any witnesses? Harvey. Any witnesses who can remember their own name? (laughs) (laughs) Lol. Uh, Sabrina says she has proof where she was. The bracelet. However, it's missing. And it's the perfect alibi. And it's gone missing, boys. It has just gone above and beyond. I mean, we've got Jenny, who who's doing something. We don't know what. We've got Libby, who's taken over Sabrina's life. We've got Harvey, who's lost his mind. We've got Nancy and Mr. Poole, who are mm. having a love affair. An Alyssa love affair. And we've got Pops, who died for a second. It's, <laughs> it's, this is one hell of a story. It's, 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 it, we, we, were, we were gripped. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely hooked right to the very end. Uh, in walks Hilda and Zelda, who demand to know what is happening. And Sabrina begs for them to put an end to the spell. We can't, Sabrina, says Zelda. You opened a can of worms. And until they wriggle their way to a dramatic climax... You're stuck. Back at school and the fashion show is about to commence and Harvey is looking absolutely adorable in his tuxedo. A better fitting tuxedo at that than the uh, the jacket he was poorly wearing last episode. But I did find that cuter, mainly because the jacket was so big <laughs> yeah, and also because yeah. of what he'd done with his hair. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in a darkened classroom, Jenny having an internal monologue uh, whilst filling a water gun with, some, with seemingly paint, I think, ready to make a scene at the fashion show. She says, we'll see whose face is red and glossy. And she proceeds to crawl through the air vents. She's like head to toe in camo gear. She is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. She's gone all out. <laughs> it's, it's not like, oh, I'll just do it in jeans and a t-shirt. No, 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 no. She's had military training. Yeah, she's yeah. going whole hog. Uh, in the school corridor and Sabrina has 15 minutes to find the bracelet or she's doomed. Mr. Poole is panicking because he wants to find his diamond ring. And Jenny is climbing through the vents. Boys, this is getting very exciting and I'm sweating just getting, on the yeah, thought of it. It's getting intense, man. Yeah. Sabrina manages to find a number of things, but no bracelet. So she decides to ask the new janitor, Stone, Excuse me, have you seen a bracelet? I've seen lots of things. With his one eye. <laughs> yeah. But no bracelet, he says. It's a shame. Back at the fashion show and Libby tells Harvey that at the end of the runway, he has to kiss her. He agrees because he doesn't know any better. No, he, it's not that he doesn't know any better. He doesn't know anything. Well, that's it. Yeah, he, he doesn't know what the best thing to do is. He's just like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure, cool, bye. Um, it, it, it's where the young man um, has a little bit of a trip. Oh, he yes. does. He does. <laughs> yeah. One of the extras walks past and stumbles. And, and, and does a little, ooh. <laughs> so, which is very amusing that they left that in so Chris we're adding this now to your list of uh, exciting awful events of yeah. is Harvey's going to kiss Libby I know anything else is going to push me over the edge boys I'm 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 at pops level at the moment now yeah. my heart might give way 
In the vents, and Jenny is still crawling. That is until she disturbs a load of wasps and screams for help. But not to worry though, folks, a stone Burton is on the case. I've got a ladder, and I know how to use it. Well, no, clearly he doesn't, otherwise Harvey wouldn't have amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a rogue ladder, so that seems it was the ladder's that, fault. That ladder betrayed him. Oh, okay, yeah. it was a rogue ladder, yeah. That was yeah, a sort of ladder it. that would have slept with his brother and... <laughs> not slept with his brother, slept with... <laughs> Don't leave it, that's better than it was. <laughs> that is the sort of lad that would have slept with <laughs> I would say he slept with his brother's wife, but but yeah, it might have slept with his brother <laughs> as well. So that would have slept with his brother. Um would have been a stepfather then, wouldn't it? And then, Oh Philip Oh dear. Maybe a rogue ladder is what led to the uh, damaging of his eye. Maybe. Maybe. That's an interesting Ooh. thought. We've got to have this backstory. Yeah, we've yeah got, maybe we, we should just write it ourselves. So yeah, he runs through with his ladder, puts it up. Um, he opens the air vent, <laughs> causing Jenny to fall to the ground, like, immediately. But she says it's okay, even though she does fall, like, eight feet. <laughs> yeah. um, because her hair broke her fall. Yeah. She does have a lot of hair. So that hairstyle, it's not just, you know, this you know zany, eccentric thing. It's got practical use. Yeah, it does. Really, it's yeah. like a crash yeah. mat, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And what's good is when Jenny falls through the vent, it, I mean, it's clearly like a dummy or something, but because it falls that quickly, you are led to believe that, wow, she's, she's fallen through the air vent. Yeah. It's really, really funny. It's cool. With Jenny being on the ground, it turns out that she's disturbed the bracelet that was stuck in the air vent. So she's found the bracelet and her alibi checks out and she's off the hook just like that. Yeah. The detective Ken says, your alibi checks out, you're off. In a, in a world where um, detectives investigate school sort of squabbles, you can get off the hook just by a bracelet that has a time on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Um, so Stone informs the gang that a swarm of wasps are on their way and they need to evacuate the school. Sabina decides that she can't run away. She has to go to rescue Harvey. Hang on a tick. Between 12.30 and 12.40, yeah. Mr. Poole was out of his classroom, right? Yeah. Sabrina met Harvey at 12.36. Before, right? There were six minutes where she could have gone in and stolen the ring. No, 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 no. No? She was in the nurse's office with Mr. Poole and Nurse Nancy. Her alibi was Mr. Poole himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't take away any of the magic from this episode, that little plot point, though, but... Yeah, no, that's a very good observation, though. Yeah, and that's, that's one thing that probably wasn't intentionally bad. That's <laughs> yeah. probably just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, so Sabrina decides that she can't run away. She has to go to rescue Harvey. So she magics up a ball gown and runs to the fashion show, just as Harvey and Libby are about to kiss. <gasps> she gives the bracelet to Harvey, pushing Libby out of the way, and he remembers her again, and also her recent signing for the Blue Jays, I think he says. Yes. Um, this ultimately leads to a cat fight between Sabrina and Libby, spilling into the reflection pool where they continue to fight, and it's reminiscent of what the Americans call dynasty, but what people who speak proper English call dynasty, with Joan Collins and the blonde lady, where they, they had a big fight in the pool. And obviously that's another sort of over-the-top soap opera of old. Yeah. I know, and it's just, it is... Cat fight! Really is like a cat fight. It's a literal cat showdown, isn't yes, it? Yes, it really? really is. And as well, like the they're fighting, they're squabbling, and Sabrina, they're shouting, Freak! Tramp! You're a tramp! 
Yeah, it's, it's like the um, the catfight video game on the Simpsons. <laughs> Skank! Skank! Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, luckily, because this is a parody episode, we can excuse Sabrina for saying that, because I wouldn't have imagined Sabrina calling someone a tram, but in, in the light of a parody here, we, we can allow that language. We're not responsible for our actions in reflecting pools, are we? No, we're not, no. of course. Hilda and Zelda break up the fight. After a while, of course, they're getting into it. They're saying, go on, left hook, jab. Uh, we know all about that, Chris, oh, yeah, don't we? we do. Uh, Harvey and Sabrina embrace whilst Libby gets Your dropped. Your fight was hilarious. It was, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, Libby gets dropped by the fashion brand and cries in the pool. Um, sort of hitting her puffy dress in the, uh, the process. Uh, Mr. Pool is just about to propose to Nancy the nurse, but Detective Kenneth runs in and demands a nurse as Stone Burton has been stung by a swarm of wasps and needs urgent medical attention. Or a cold compress, as that's the only thing Nancy can offer. I'll wait for you, Nancy, Mr. Pool cries. Uh, just before we leave that scene, the detective approaches the fashion guru who's been running the event, and it happens to be his long-lost sister identifiable by the fact that she went to the Grand Canyon once when she was a child. <laughs> it was just, it was like, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon once when I was a child? Beverly? <laughs> Kenneth? <Yeah. laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Reunited. It's so, so good. So we could tick every kind of, like, stereotypical yeah. events. Right. We've got uh, we've got a cat fight, we've got amnesia, we've got someone nearly dying, we've got uh, paramedics, we've got uh, long lost family members. Illicit romances. Illicit yeah. romances. <sighs> Sex ed. Sex ed. Yeah. It's just it's off the chain. <laughs> Absolutely. The gamut has been run. Just one last thing. Nancy, Stone Burton, Kenneth, are they real people? Or are wow. they constructs of the spell? Wow, okay. Being as it is, I mean, we've not quite got to it yet, but Nancy and Stone, they leave together as this spell's wearing off. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenneth and also the fashion lady leave as well to get maybe the dramatic conclusion always finds a way for these characters to sort of vacate the space and possibly cease to exist because they're they're not real they're sort of deliberate um sort of conduits for the drama that the spell creates yeah i i would i add on to that that i i believe then by that pops is a fictional character as well so because a janitor then yeah you would have school janitors but a janitor has never been mentioned before yeah it just so happens that their janitor is having a cardiac arrest or something you know it's a, a very interesting thing. I like thing. that idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. Is, that is very, very interesting. Yes, I, I, I probably I say that they are figments of the magic's imagination yeah. and they've they've come into this episode and then they've just left. Yeah. I'm with you there. Yeah, I'm man. with you on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back at the Spellman's and Sabrina just wants everything to go back to normal. She's through with all the excitement. However, she does wonder, and we all do, if Mr. Poole and Nurse Nancy got together. Well, we find out, we head back to the school, and Nancy returns from the medical emergency, all tired, and Mr. Poole proposes to her. Oh, Jean, if only you'd asked me an hour ago. I've met someone, and I'm going away. She touches his face. I only hope you can forgive me. (laughs) She leaves, and Mr. Poole is really just amazed at how far he got. (laughs) He's not really, he's, he's like, you can't go. Oh, well. Oh, got further than I thought, and kind of is satisfied, isn't he? Like yeah, it, it, it seems like it was uh, 
He was just impressed with himself to have been able to get to the point where he could have proposed. And to a hot woman as well. And like, to a yeah, hot woman. A woman like, completely well, out of his well, well, yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I knew it was never really going to work, but I'm just amazed that I managed to get to this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, well done me. Thanks. You know what they say, a pessimist is never disappointed. That is true. Very, I am never true. disappointed. We follow Nancy and she finds Stone Burton, who is got one foot cocked up on the uh, the wall. He's holding his belt. He's got a bag over his shoulder, yeah. like proper just James Dean yeah. sort of. Yeah, yeah, James Dean there again. Yeah, um, he's got his bags packed and he's covered in cold compresses. How do you take it? He says, Gene will be fine. He's strong and has two eyes. <laughs> you need me more," she says. <laughs> <laughs> and he closes the episode closes with it was worth being stung hundreds of times it's what brought us together and they just pick their bags up and they leave the credits roll we quickly cut to the credits and Sabrina and Salem are having another go at lint spotting but Sabrina is taking it a bit too far reading it into it and while Salem says yeah you, you need to get out more yeah she basically has an existential crisis <laughs> yeah she can't handle the excitement that she creates and she overexcites. The boring stuff at home. Yes. But, wow, what a fucking episode. Yeah, I guess all the drama has made her appreciate mundane things more. Maybe that's it. Boys, episode 21. That was so 90s. 90s. Yep, no need to talk about it more. Just the entire episode is the most 90s thing I've ever seen in my life. Just, yeah, just daytime soaps of the 90s just parodied perfectly in the 90s. What more 90sness could you want? (laughs) So there we go, that is episode 21. That was batshit crazy. I personally thought it was one of the best episodes of Sabrina we've watched today. I loved every minute of it. Like, <laughs> honestly, you know, especially since we, we didn't have a good time uh, watching and reviewing the last episode, you know, it was just a lot to sort of be genuinely sort of sad about because we've come to like this show and it, it did a lot of things which sort of you know we thought they knew not to do Mm. but this episode was sort of as as we say it was a complete um, diversion from what uh, from the form that it normally takes a complete change in tone but it was so well done it was like a spot on parody where the characters were still true to themselves whilst being thrown into this completely ridiculous Scenario, yeah, and I, I just, I just enjoy just not really having to think and just, just laughing at the just constant absurdity. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, Chris, do you agree? Did you, you enjoy know, this you just know as what? much as we did? Really enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's as Graham said. It's all those, uh, those one-off episodes of TV series that just they get you. They yeah. really do. It's. I, I think. What's weird is I think this episode was particularly good because took us away from Sabrina we were still watching Sabrina but it wasn't like a Sabrina episode yeah. for the majority of it and I think it was we enjoyed it more because it was a change of pace mm-hmm. a change of feeling a change of writing style and it was I just think it was yeah giving it credit for that, that I think that was just without a doubt the best episode that we've watched so yeah. far and could be for some time we don't know we'll just have to wait and see but before we get to next week's episode we've got to find out what Chris reviews this episode as each week Chris is our rank master he sets the bar for what he believes this episode should be rated out of so Chris this maniacal episode what do you find episode 21 as Westbridge turns what do you find it Chris you know what here we go 
this is this is what because I think because it was so out of the ordinary and on the back of what was a fucking awful episode, I think I've got to give it an eight. Wow. It's your highest score to date. I know. That's what I mean. I'll give this uh, eight mellows out of drama. Eight mellows out of drama. I'm going to echo that. I would say eight as well. Just a really, really funny episode. I probably... Because it's such a strange, like, different episode... I don't want to say it's my favourite, because that suggests I don't enjoy Sabrina as it normally is. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of my favourites, so eight. Yeah. And I, <clears> I'm going to sort of equal it to another episode that we watched. I think so far I've reviewed another episode as 8.5. I think that's been my highest one, I think. Um, so I'm going to echo that. I'm going to say just a bit more than you, 8.5. I'm going to say just because, yeah, I would like to review it higher, but because it's, it kind, it didn't feel like a typical Sabrina episode, as, as you say, it would kind of diminish the value of some more all yeah. the Sabrina episodes but I did enjoy this so so much laughing all the way through and I think every every part of the writing of this episode was just absolutely superb so I give it 8.5 mellows out of drama I think actually what made this episode better was the fact that the episode before was so dire yeah I, I think we needed we needed I mean you know Spoiler alert, sort of behind the curtain, we do usually record two episodes on one day. So we had literally just finished um, sort of venting our spleens about, you know, <laughs> the um, the disappointment of, of uh, the previous episode. Um, and then we sat down to watch that and it was just just a joy start to finish. It was just so lighthearted. It, it was, was just awesome. No holes to pick because it, most of the ludicrousness was intentional yeah. so well hopefully the next episode will continue this um, hilarious strange feel that we've uh, we've had from this episode it's called the great mistake boys what do you think the great mistake is all about my life <laughs> see you next week folks <laughs> <laughs>